Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello and welcome to the episode. After last week's episode with my colleague Nigel Timperley looking at the world of finance, today we're continuing the theme, looking at how the downstream energy transition will be financed. And to do that, I've got uh, three guests, Nigel again, and two other guests who are actively involved in financing energy efficiency in uh, different countries, in different forms, in different ways. Uh, And my guests will bring to life some of their activity, some of their challenges, and some of the opportunity for finance to play a role in the energy transition. So uh, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, my chat with Nigel helped frame the world of finance. You might like to listen to that first. Um, But today we'll be bringing it to life with some practical hands-on examples. Let's welcome my guests. So uh, first, Sebastian Carnero from Solas Capital. Hello, Sebastian. Hi, Don. Glad to be here. Thanks for joining us. Um, Sebastian, can you tell us a bit about Solus Capital and what you do? Yes, happy to do so. So Solus Capital is an investment advisor specialized in the field of energy efficiency. We partner with energy service companies, um, project developers, um, the public sector and manufacturers to make their projects and business models bankable whilst providing financing solutions. To achieve this, we partner with institutional investors, giving them access to this fast-growing green asset class. And we have teamed up with the European Investment Bank and will launch a new fund dedicated to energy efficiency in Q1 next year. Okay, so um, this may be the wrong way to think about it, but you're a bit like a broker. I'm sure that's the wrong word, but you're connecting uh, investors and um, energy efficiency projects that need finance. Is that a fair way to think about it? Yeah, I would say broker is a bit too simple. I would rather see myself as a facilitator. So because a lot of our work is actually on the on the ground, working with our project partners to help them make their make their projects bankable. And then um, and knowing the um, restrictions and expectations from investors to, to get those uh, business models um, bankable and financeable. Okay, and to, to bring it to life for our listeners, can you give an example of a, a typical project? I'm sure there's no such thing as a typical project, but uh, a project, what might that energy efficiency project or that energy service company be doing with customers that, uh, that needs financed? Yes, yeah, sure. So um, typical energy efficiency projects are relatively small uh, in size. And essentially, energy efficiency is about exchanging uh, old um, equipment into new uh, smart uh, equipment. And um, a very good example um, for energy efficiency projects is in the field of lighting. So the, the exchange of, of, of uh, lighting, uh, a retrofit of lighting in, in, in commercial buildings. Um, so there you would have typically a project sizes maybe for 300,000 uh, euros. However, you have also the public sector side of, uh, of things where you also see bigger projects. 
So those are typical. Um, we are operating in this this field of very small projects, but let's say also bigger projects on the on the public sector side. And and then you would also see, for example, in the public sector, you would see retrofit of um, of buildings uh, under energy performance contracts. So those, uh, for example, um, um, full retrofit, including heating, uh, ventilation, air conditioning. Uh, but also deep retrofit uh, where you would exchange windows, um, for example, of a, of a public building like a university, uh, for example. Okay, great. Thanks, Sebastian. We'll come back to you shortly. Um, my second guest is David Canarosi from GNE Finance. Hello, David. Hello. Good morning, John. And thanks you very much for inviting me. Thanks for joining. Um, David, likewise, can you give us a quick introduction to GNE Finance and um, your role in financing the, the downstream energy transition? Sure. Um, look, GNE Finance was launched five years ago as uh, uh, the founder, uh, which is myself and, uh, and another colleague. We come from uh, the energy services companies, so we have a technical background. And uh, uh, we we have been financing projects with third parties, capital providers in the last uh, uh, ten years. And so we decided to create uh, Gini Finance as an advisory and capital provider company focused on the energy transition in uh, in the built environment, uh, which is basically uh, projects on homes and and buildings, both in the residential and uh, the commercial sector. Okay, um, so again, you're connecting the the projects, the energy service company projects that need financing, with people who are willing and able to finance them. Yeah, uh, I would say uh, that rather than connecting, um, we uh, we partner with the companies that uh, that are originators of these uh, projects, and then we advise them on uh, how. Uh, the their their portfolio projects can be structured in uh, uh, financing uh, vehicles or financing instruments yeah. that can uh, then attract uh, either our capital yeah. or the capital from uh, from third parties. Okay, so you're making them. There's a phrase that's used. You're making these projects bankable. You're enabling them to be investment ready. That would be a, a goal rather than, uh, I would say, the, the, the activity as it is of today. Uh, it, is, it is a challenge uh, today still uh, um, uh, configurates uh, portfolios of investments in order to, to make them bankable. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, David. And thirdly, welcome back, uh, Nigel. Uh, hello, Nigel. Uh, hi, John. It's great to be back. Um, Nigel, um, I'll leave your, oh, we won't do the normal framing because we did that in last week's episode. Uh, yeah. so look forward yeah. to your contribution to the discussions, your, your questions. Um, yeah. so, uh, I'd like to start Sebastian, I think with, um, you and the fund that you've raised. So can you talk a bit about how important it is to have a, a fund that can connect investors and opportunities. Um, you could do that on a project by project basis. What advantage does having a fund give you? 
Well, the advantage for the market is that you, within the fund, you can concentrate very specialized knowledge around energy efficiency and 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 be able to aggregate over various business models through various partners enough projects so you can actually attract institutional capital. You know, it's easy in the market if you have a hundred million uh, euro project to find capital on an individual project basis. But if on a, on a project level, uh, your single project, project is 300,000 euros, uh, institutional capital is not interested in financing those. And, and we are fulfilling uh, this role, bridging this gap. And when you say institutional capital, for our listeners who aren't familiar with that, what, what sort of investors or types of investors would would you class as institutional, institutional capital? Yes. Yes. So we're very proud that we've partnered with the European Investment Bank. So this is public money. But otherwise, the fund uh, is, um, is a fund for institutional uh, investors, and it's mainly insurance and uh, pension funds uh, who are looking at this. Okay. Um... Was it challenging to Nigel? You talked about a wall of money in the last uh, the last episode. Yeah. Um, so there's been a lot of capital looking for a home at the moment. Um, has it been challenging to raise that uh, fund, Sebastian? Or is the topic of energy efficiency really attractive? Or are there are some difficult questions that your institutional investors have been asking you. Yeah, everything what's new, I would say, has always um, to face a challenge to convince someone to invest in something what is new. So, um, and that's not particularly to, to energy efficiency, but obviously energy efficiency got a great boost and, and uh, because um, of the of the developments of the last years uh, towards a green economy and, and net zero. So, and, and obviously also the taxonomy, the EU regulation of institutional investors plays a key role. So the, the demand for those kind of projects um, is, is very good. Nigel, what, what, any views from your side on that type of institutional investor, the risk return um, yeah. for those yeah. investors, what they're looking for? Uh, yeah, I think the mention of net zero is quite interesting because there's clearly a shift going on with pension funds in particular looking to to, to um, invest more ethically um, or to, to, to get involved in the space. Um, you know, it's the sort of other side of the coin from divestments. So that just as, um, you know, take perhaps local authority funds, you know, if they're aiming at net zero and, and aiming to divest uh, their employee pension funds from perhaps big oil or, or, or fossil uh, uh, type investors, you know, what we're seeing is a, a, an interest when we talk to those local authorities in in um, uh, ESG style investments. I mean, are you seeing that, um, uh, Sebastian, um, from, from your side? Um, yes, definitely. Definitely, but it's really the move towards um, real assets, so which is more driven by, I would say, the low interest rate environment. Right, yeah. So obviously, you also see a switch into ESG, uh, ESG investments, but there you could have a switch within, let's say, um, bonds or, or, or equities, you know? but it's really more the driver towards real assets. And, and there as well into uh, green real assets. 
just picking up your point about real assets, uh, Sebastian, um, are, are you drawing a distinction between, you know, very visible assets like, you know, huge PV projects and, say, energy efficiency, which is less visible because it's often project-based, it's out of sight, um, it's perhaps less glamorous. What, what, is 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 that what you mean by real assets? You know, the the big renewables get the attract the money more easily than energy efficiency. Well, in the in this context of how how investors would classify this is um, as opposed to I would say classical liquid markets like uh, stocks and bonds or private equity where you would would buy shares in a company. You have this other market, infrastructure market or real asset market. Where, where the cash flows investors are looking for to generate are coming for, from specified assets. So, so, and we are in this um, bucket, so to say, of, of real assets. And in the case of energy efficiency, the actual asset uh, is very small. You know, it's not a big offshore wind farm. It's, uh, yeah. it's a lighting retrofit. But the right. key for investors okay. is that you have an identifiable project uh, where where you can separate risks and cash flows and 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 um, um, <clears throat> make it uh, make um, make a very um, uh, predictable uh, where you can make a very predictable forecast of those cash flows. So, Sebastian, that uh, how how much money have you raised, and has it been hard raising that that money, or do you see actually if you prove out the model or as you gather momentum actually there's no shortage of money looking to invest in this area um we the fund is a 200 million euro uh, fund and um, fundraising for a first-time strategy is is always not a piece of cake um, so once you once you have proven that the strategy works uh, fundraising should be a lot easier because you can work with the same uh, investors uh, and and, um, and and have a name in the market. It's uh, obviously that much easier. And this is why I'm very glad that we could team up with the European Investment Bank because essentially they, they are a catalyst then for fundraising. What about on the opportunity side? Uh, have you got a, a big pipeline of opportunities or are the projects hard there's lots of projects but they're hard to structure in the right way so will that side of the equation um yeah will that be be hard or have you are you not short of projects that you can finance well we're not short of um project partners and projects in the pipeline we have a very strong pipeline across various uh various markets um because um energy efficiency in a particular energy efficiency service business models or energy as a service business models are growing strongly uh, across Europe. And this is the, uh, I would say, niche area we focus uh, on with our specialized knowledge. And, and for example, um, a market uh, which, is, which is very, uh, very much booming is solar self-consumption projects, so solar behind the meter um, for, for, commercial, uh, for, for, for commercial and industrial users. So, which we also would classify as as energy efficiency uh, projects. Nigel, that sort of fits a trend you've seen of as a service becoming more prevalent, and um, particularly maybe in the the B two B sector where you can get a bit of scale. 
yeah, I think it's B two B as a service is you know, they're made for each other because it this stuff is so balance sheet friendly, I guess from the you know from the investors' point of view, from the sorry the uh, project's point of view. Um, in that case, though, who who owns the assets, um, Sebastian? You know, who, who if you if you're putting in um, an energy efficiency project or a solar self consumption type project. Who actually owns that solar array in those energy as a service installations? Well, you can structure it in three ways. So um, usually the um, project developer, the energy service company, uh, retains the title over the assets and the fund has uh, security over those assets. But you also see structures where the uh, assets are packaged in a, in a special purpose vehicle, which could be owned by by the investors. But you right. also see projects where the assets are owned uh, by the end customers. So you have different different ways to structure it. Okay. David, let, I'd like to turn to you now. So one of the areas you're active in is housing. And I'm interested, the energy efficiency opportunities are huge in both the industrial commercial sector that Sebastian, Sebastian's been talking about, but also in the residential sector. But in the residential sector, each asset is even smaller if we're talking about insulating one home or a boiler or efficient heating system in one home. So can you tell us a bit how you uh, how you can make that work from a financing perspective? Um, is it individual houses? Is it groups of houses? Tell us a bit more. Sure. Um, so the way the way we approach uh, this type of market is that uh, because of uh, of the experience that we have accumulated uh, in in the last uh, uh, decade um, is to to select the right partners, which are which can be um, engineering companies, installers, construction companies. Um, uh, different type of uh, promoters uh, that are the ones that um, are able to generate the pipeline of projects. And so we, we work with these companies um, in order to structure their um, product offering, which includes financing, uh, in a way that they can work well with, uh, with us and with our investors. Um, and also, we design with these uh, partners, um, let's say, um, a roadmap to to scale up and be able to to grow. Um, because of being an, a new sector with new services and new formulas, what happens is that um, quite often uh, our partners initially needs uh, uh, capital uh, in order to be able to increase their uh, offering and and their uh, reach to customers, and and then uh, the more they grow, the the more you can uh, um, uh, leverage or make more sophisticated the type of uh, financing that they can offer to to their clients. And are you working with installers, for example, who will do this on a house by house basis, or is it more like? large retrofit projects of 100 houses at one time or both 
Um, yeah, I would say that it goes uh, um, really depends by the partner. Um, and also it depends by the country. So um, in the case of Spain, for example, uh, we, have been, uh, uh, we have been working both with um, uh, private companies and uh, public administration. And in the case of public administration, we have been partnering in two uh, renovation uh, programs. Um, one uh, in the Basque Country, a region uh, north of Spain, with a program that is called Opengela, and it is uh, led by the local government, uh, which offer um, building retrofit for residential uh, building retrofit in, uh, in a vulnerable uh, neighborhood of the cities that they operate. And so far, this program is present in four uh, cities. Um, and we provide the uh, financing for these uh, building uh, retrofits. Um, and is in that, the, David, yes. is, that their own, is that for their own buildings or is that the building, is it private buildings? Uh, no, own, these are, um, um, uh, well, I would say both. Uh, there's both uh, uh, social housing buildings yep. and private buildings. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And so we, we work with the local government to, to design the, uh, the risking of uh, these, uh, this portfolio. So in a way that um, they can be uh, financed, even though it is in neighborhoods that, um, you know, that, um, may have uh, some limited access to finance. I'm, I'm intrigued no access. by... I'm intrigued by how you, how you secure... So you know, if if this if this if I understand it right is is largely debt finance. How, you know how what do you take as collateral on those projects, or do, do you take collateral because it, you know it could be spread over. If you've got lots and lots of houses, you you could have um, a small amount of the original investment goes into lots and lots of different units. How how do you collateralize that? What's what's your approach? Well. Um... There are a few solutions that we um, that we incorporate in this type of financing. Uh, one is that uh, the uh, the financing is um, linked to the uh, subsidies and grants that uh, are uh, issued by the local government in this program, um, such as that. Um, the uh, in case there is a default on the financing. Uh, can be um, uh, can be executed the, um, the let's say the foreclosure against the, uh, the the total amount of financing plus subsidy. So there's kind of strong incentive to avoid that. Uh, then uh, the the local government also provided um, some uh, equity that is injected in the program um, in the financing program. So that uh, that equity works as a first loss tranche, and so that um, makes more attractive for then for the capital that is uh, provided for for the for the program. And uh, another important element is that uh, because uh, this is promoted by the local government and uh, the uh, the buildings retrofit are in neighborhoods where the local governments um, open uh, 
um, small um, shops, small one-stop shops. Therefore, there is a um, there is a, a local dimension where um, people that works in the one-stop shops know uh, the uh, they are well known in the uh, neighborhood. So, um, in, in case of uh, potential defaults or delays in payments, um, there are lots of uh, um, elements that can be uh, triggered in, in order to um, avoid the full default or, or to, to work with the local community so that they can, um, they can uh, serve uh, that portion of, of the debt. And to the previous question, John, this is uh, only for uh, community of homeowners. So it is uh, for entire buildings, the retrofit of entire buildings. And the financing can go anywhere from, uh, let's say, 50,000 euros or small amounts to uh, larger amounts for per building, like uh, in the neighborhoods of 1 million. What, Nigel, you're, you're well known for your incisive questions. And I think your questions to Sebastian and David have really shown some of the complexity and challenges or different ways that you can approach the sector. Uh, Sebastian and David, I'm interested to hear whether you think of yourselves as pioneers to some degree. Um, there's a huge amount needs done in financing energy efficiency, and we've shone a little light on some of the complexity that's involved. So do you consider yourself pioneers or is this a sec- is this a sector that's ready for lots of other people to come in with well-known, understood uh, approaches? Sebastian, you first, maybe. Well, I wouldn't consider myself as a pioneer, um, despite the fact that the, um, the market is young, yes. But we're, we're using tools which are widely available. So in that, from that sense, it's not... Um, so we're using knowledge and experience from other markets uh, and, and applying this for energy efficiency, yes. So this is why, uh, yes, we are at early stage. We are first movers, but I wouldn't consider ourselves as a pioneer. And, and especially around those as-a-service business models, you know, you see very, very big com- multinational companies pursuing those strategies. So um, the likes of uh, Signify, for example, or Angie, um, it's part of their core strategies. Yeah. David, how about you? Are you a pioneer? Well, I mean, um, I, I like the idea of portraying myself as a pioneer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, but uh, at the end of the day, I agree with, with Sebastian that um, um, we might have uh, elements of innovation, of course, in, in our sector. But... Uh, uh, we are coming from a long way. I mean, uh, if we talk about uh, energy services companies and energy efficiency financing, now there are decades of, uh, of um, innovations or, or, or developments going on. And, um, and, and, and uh, the, uh, the clear sign that is becoming mainstream is that now there are more and more banks that are entering in this space. Yeah, yeah. With green loans, and, um, um, and you know also green uh, mortgages 
So uh, the, the, definitely the market is uh, gearing up for these to, to become um, uh, mainstream market and also in terms for, you know, the green bonds, we, we yeah. have been observing that the issuance of green bonds has been increasing um, probably at kind of exponential uh, uh, growth. Uh, so, so this is happening now. When it comes to to company like Genie Finance, our space is um, in in uh, in being able to have a deep understanding of uh, what uh, what the market is about, what type of uh, technologies uh, are applied, and what type of uh, business models are applied, and to find the best. Uh, financing solutions to serve uh, these uh, uh, yeah. markets. Um, yeah. So okay. that's that's how I see our our work. Yeah. Thanks, David. Um, Nigel, I, the, uh, Sebastian and David maybe didn't quite like the word pioneer, but uh, and, and I understand the responses. Uh, what? What word would you what word would you use or how do you see the sorts of activity from uh, from Sebastian David and other companies is it pioneering yeah. or is it just taking known tools known ways and applying it uh, de-risking how you apply that to the energy efficiency sector well I was very pleased to hear what Sebastian and David had to say because that correlates very closely with our research the, the, the word I would use is is tipping point. Uh, I think we're seeing a, or lift off. We're, we're, we're seeing, um, as um, Sebastian said, there's a lot of tools there. There's a lot of proven techniques. David pointed out that some of this stuff's been going for decades. Um, but what we're seeing is a, a move to a scale now where these, these proven models are now being uh, scaled up and normalized and, and brought into the mainstream. So if you think of a classic adoption curve, we might be entering the early majority phase, if you like, uh, the, the beginning of the growth of the of the bell curve of investment. So so we do expect I would expect to see an acceleration of investment in this space precisely because it's starting to be a trusted space and it's being seen as an exciting opportunity. Um, for for um, nice predictable yields and the scale of the opportunity is is recognised now as enormous. So that that's another reason it's attracting investors. Thanks, Nigel. Um, time's getting the better of us, so we better bring out the talking new energy crystal ball. Um, Nigel, it would be unfair to inflict the crystal ball <laughs> on you two weeks in a row. So um, you're you're excused after last week. Um, but Sebastian and David, I'd like to. I'd like to set the dial this week to 2030 and ask each of you briefly in about 20, 30 seconds, just to uh, describe what you will have achieved over the next decade or when you look back from 2030, what will you look back on? Um, Sebastian, do you want to go first? Sure. <clears throat> I wish I had that crystal ball, but if you ask me and what... <laughs> For me, an ideal outcome would be that we have partnered uh, with many reliable um, <clears throat> partners in the energy um, as a service, energy efficiency um, space and being a facilitator to grow their business models. And in, with, uh, with that function, helping to deploy energy efficiency technology uh, 
um, in, in, in as much in as many projects as possible. So okay. because uh, what, what really motivates, motivates me and my colleagues is that, you know, with energy efficiency, you have such a high impact on creating uh, jobs, uh, carbon reductions, uh, quality of living. And you do that uh, with, the, with a sustainable business case. You know, there are no subsidies needed. So this very much drives us. And we're here to, to, to help um, and, and facilitate the growth of that market. And, and I would be very pleased if um, in 10 years from now, you know, we had, we had a multitude of partners and helped them grow and, 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 and be recognized as a leader in this field. And, and... Okay. And then just a few words, your single biggest challenge? Um, single biggest challenge. I think that's really around finding the right um, people to work with. So on the on the on the um, uh, human resources side, yeah. <clears throat> because energy efficiency and our approach uh, is a bit different to the typical investment bank. So so you do really need to have on the one hand motivation, skill. Um, and, and, and people, you know, who are not there only for the money, but um, for the mission. Okay. Thanks, Sebastian. Um, David, how about you? 2030, where, were you, where would you like to be? What would you like to be looking back on in terms of what you've achieved in this decade? Look, I, 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 uh, I don't want to be boring and repeating uh, Sebastian's words, <laughs> but uh, um, I, I, I share that type of ambition uh, that uh, by 2030, um, uh, we would like that Gini Finance could be recognized as an industry leader. And um, um, in the space of uh, 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 managing and originating uh, financing instruments dedicated to the energy transition uh, with a strong focus on, uh, on the debt market, both uh, in terms of uh, bond issuance and uh, um, securitization. Uh, I, I believe that lots of the product and the projects uh, that uh, the portfolio project that we work with could be perfect for securitizations. Um, and, and so I, I would like that by 2030, uh, we could have moved from the actual stage, which is more, uh, let me say artisanal local, uh, local, uh, scale to, uh, to the world industry, which means uh, standardization yeah. means autom automation means size. We, uh, you know, um, capacity to really aggregate, on a, a European scale, uh, which is uh, what uh, what we are missing today. You know, there's policy at the European level, but uh, then uh, each country from a financing perspective is a complete different um, um, uh, market with its own regulations. And that is affecting the capacity uh, effectively today, so today to scale up. So, yeah, I guess that ties in, Nigel, with your scale-up point and with the standardization point. So I'll, I'll take that as a, a challenge, David, for reaching your 2030 vision as that standardization <laughs> and scaling. Um, okay, we better draw to a close there. Fascinating discussion. Um, and 
really critical part of the energy transition. So delighted, Sebastian, David and Nigel, you could join me today. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks, as always, to everyone listening and look forward to welcoming you back to next week's episode. Thanks and goodbye. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcast and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com. Thank you.